welcome back to the Very Short Introductions podcast. From public health to Buddhist ethics, soft matter to classics and art history to globalisation, we'll showcase a concise and original introduction to a wide range of subjects, wherever your curiosity may take you. So here is today's Very Short Introduction. Hello, uh, my name is Naomi Zak. I'm Professor of Philosophy at Lehman College at the City University of New York. My areas of specialization are political philosophy, philosophy of race, and disaster. And today I want to talk to you about some of the ideas from my uh, recent very short introduction called Democracy, a Very Short Introduction. Democracy uh, is a very broad value that everybody shares, uh, but it's a, it's a vague ideal. So what, this ideal that we share is that under a democracy, the people have a say in their government. The ideal is a concept, but it has different conceptions. And I want to talk about both the different conceptions of democracy and the different divisions of democracy. So one conception of democracy, which goes back to the ancient world, is that democracy is a form of government. So you can have democracy as, for example, Aristotle discussed in his politics, where there is equality and a change of ruling positions among an elite group, but everybody else in society is subject to their rule. So you would have limited democracy among leaders. As far as democracy throughout the whole of society, both Plato and Aristotle and other ancient political philosophers thought that democracy was the worst form of government because they believed that in democracy, the least informed elements of society would rule to the detriment of everybody else. Now, the two different aspects of democracy that I think are really useful for us today in order to understand contemporary uh, politics is democracy as a form and structure of government. For example, a a three-part form of government where you have an executive, a legislature, and a judiciary, and various procedures for how laws are made and how policies are carried out, but all with a focus on the government level. So that would be democratic government. And I think the writer who might have perfected the idea of democratic government would have been uh, John Stuart Mill uh, in his writings on representative government. However, what has happened over time, and you can see this in the progress of the great social movements of the 19th and 20th century, is that people who have a specific progressive conception of democracy, do not only want democratic government, they also want democratic society. So you had the uh, women's suffrage movement in the 19th century, which finally resolved in the early 20th century. And then you had the uh, abolitionist movement. And then going into uh, modernity, there are movements for indigenous peoples. There are movements for LGBTQ people, movements for uh, people with disabilities, all of the progressive movements are an effort to create a democratic society, or as many like to uh, term it in the United States, it's a perfection of what was originally in the Constitution. Because in the American Constitution, although 
principles of democracy were generally set out, it was believed that only free white property-owning males could actually participate in the government. So now uh, most people thinking about democracy progressively not only want a democratic society where there's some measure of equality throughout society outside of government, but they want everybody who's recognized in those terms to be able to participate in democracy. So I got interested in democracy as a subject when I saw how the new right in American uh, politics was opposed to what we have taken to be a democratic society. For example, we've recently had extreme curtailments, if not removals, of affirmative action of and reproductive rights. And the movements in response to that are movements to continually try to make society more democratic by making it more equal. Now, the language that's used often for making society uh, more democratic is the project of perfecting the founding documents, perfecting the Constitution. And I think you will find similar language in other parts of the world where there are not written constitutions, but greater reliance on precedent in definitive documents and prior laws. So in the ancient world, the enemies of democracy, who are the founders and ultimate authorities of what we take to be political philosophy today, uh, as I said, they, they thought that democracy was mob rule and the worst form of government. But actually, um, if you look at what's happening today, and my focus is on the United States, because that's where I'm probably best informed, although nobody can can grasp everything that's going on, is that there's been a huge change in the Republican Party or the right side matching or opposing the left side of democratic movements and politics. And the change, I think, can be understood as proceeding from a different conception of democracy than progressives have. So the conception of democracy that right-wing conservatives now seem to have seems to be a conception of democracy that goes back to only selected groups in uh, society having uh, full rights and access to participate in government. And, and of course, you know, this is seen as repressive. It's seen as uh, retroactive uh, by repressive, uh, repressive elements in society. But this uh, return to the right uh, stands on what they take to be fundamental principles of democracy, they have a different conception. They have an older conception, and they have a conception that predates the really the great 19th century thinkers who started talking about politics, although they didn't always call it politics. Sometimes they called it moral theory in terms of society. So, and those were uh, Karl Marx and John Stuart Mill and also Jeremy Bentham in terms of utilitarianism the leaders of the women's suffrage movement, the leaders of the abolitionist movement. These are our foundations for something later in the 20th century in the United States, such as the uh, civil rights movement. So I think that if you pull some of these ideas together 
and you look at what's happening in the turn to the right, probably throughout the world, or at least there are uh, relatively new populist parties throughout the world, certain questions uh, arise. Now, one question that I think is quite interesting is the use and promulgation of conspiracy theories on the right uh, appears to be very undemocratic. And it is undemocratic, contrasted with ideals on the left. However, the people who believe in these conspiracy theories, ill-informed as they are, constitute millions. So they are the base of something like the contemporary uh, U.S. Republican Party. And the views of this base are getting expressed by party leaders. It's as though there's already a parade, there's already groundswell. And what the party leaders have learned how to do is to make uh, ideas and opinions that previously uh, would have been suppressed because they were ignorant, to make them part of an inchoate uh, party platform. And it kind of raises a question, you know, have things really gotten worse in that sense? Or do we see an opening up of, of democracy in, in a formal sense of allowing people to have a say in the government? So if you allow everybody to have a say in the government, you can take two different perspectives on this. One is, well, speaking just formally, it's a good thing that a great mass of uninformed people at least get to, ha to be represented to have their say. The other um, perspective you can take, and this is the perspective that most, uh, most scholars would take, is to show how the opinions that are now rising to the surface in erstwhile more progressive societies are, are not, they may formally be allowable given principles of democracy to hold that the people should have a say, but these principles actually undermine more fundamental principles of society. So, so we get back to the original vague uh, definition of democracy. We all think democracy is a good thing. Even countries that are not uh, democratic in reality like to call themselves democracies, but it's not enough only to say that the people have to have a say, because as the ancient political philosophers I mentioned, believe that the mass of the people might be wrong. So you actually have to qualify the people need to have a say, provided that their say does not, and basically there are many different things that you can fill in here, does not trample on the rights of other people, does not violate fundamental uh, principles of how government should work and how there should be equality throughout society. So now I want to say something about society, which actually goes beyond talk about democracy, because democracy is, is, a, is a form of government. Society, in terms of if we look at human society globally, society overflows any particular national government. We don't have at this time a world government. We have through various coalitions and, and United Nations declarations, uh, statements of principles that are supposed to apply over nations. We don't have a world government, but we do have human beings all over the world who we can recognize as part of human society. So I think the question 
that those who are champions of democracy and theorists of democracy, the, the contemporary uh, question that really needs to be considered is how do we extend or should we extend the principles of democracy to societies outside of our borders in which people are, are not enjoying a measure of either equal rights or even equal access to the fundamentals of life. And a very specific aspect of this might be refugees from climate change. Well, how, what does democracy say first about how we should morally regard climate change refugees, some of whom um, have to flee because the places where they live are no longer inhabitable, they fall through the cracks in terms of refugee status because they're not fleeing political prosecution. As a matter of fact, they may be um, uh, they may be excluded because they seem to be benefiting economically. Quite often, they're uh, merely classified as migrants. But in democratic terms, we might ask ourselves, what do we owe them? And I think democracy, even though things happen that uh, people who have a progressive conception of it are are strongly opposed to and opposed to it for good reason. I think that this democratic process has now taken on a life of its own. I, I think I think democracy is well and good in a general sense. I think we can always think with it, even though locally there may be extreme disappointments. And as far as this issue, of whether we have obligations to uh, people in societies outside of our borders who may be in desperate situations, whether democracy requires that we somehow recognize their rights. This actually brings us into discussions of humanism. Uh, humanitarianism is a word we're all familiar with. Humanitarian aid is spontaneous aid for people in desperate situations. But the framework of humanism um, allows us uh, to think of people who may not be immediately desperate, but to try to think of, of principles which are um, derived from our democratic uh, principles of human equality, try to think of principles that apply to them and create obligations for those of us who live in, in countries within borders uh, who are better off. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope that this will spark uh, further thought and discussion among the audience. Thank you for listening to the Very Short Introductions podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favourite app, such as Apple or Spotify, to receive all of our episodes directly in your feed. All of our episodes, new and old, can also be found on SoundCloud and YouTube at Oxford Academic. You can also access content from very short introductions on the Oxford Academic platform through your institution.